Yeah, baby. All right. So welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. I am FF Larry Monkey, and I am joined by Justin Rogers, Run DFF. And with us today, we have Debbie Kane. So Kane, how are you doing, my man? How's it going today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing all right. It's a it's a tropical storm Friday in New Jersey. So we got hit with uh, a few inches of rain today. Wind. Hung out on the porch, watched it come down. My almost five-year-old daughter was running around with a in her bathing suit with an umbrella and swinging around and skipping. And she was having the time of her life because it was 85 degrees and the and the rain's coming down. So it's really not, there was no thunder or lightning or nothing, you know? How are you doing, Justin? Man, I'm pretty good. I spent all day in the car driving. So I'm just glad to be re- relaxing now. I had to, I headed over to my dad's house. So I'm broadcasting from a remote location and literally remote. I mean, like there's not a, there's not a stoplight in this town. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much in just enjoying the night. My uh, wife is gone. She'll be back late tonight. So I of course ordered a large stuffed crust pizza nice with, with sausage and mushrooms. Cause that's my go-to pizza. Really? Uh, and then I'm, and then I'm drinking beer, got a 12 pack of beer and uh, that's pretty much all I'm doing today. I have, I'm- I have no other plans. That's perfect because I am opening up my first beer of the evening. It will be a Guinness. Guinness Blonde? No, it's a, it's in the white summer can, but oh. still a drought. The old drought stout in the can. I like it in the can. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking a uh, Grain Belt Nordeast. So that's kind of a darker style beer uh, made by some people here in Minnesota, which is the Shells Brewery. And uh, Nordeast actually turns 10 years old this summer. So, so we're uh, celebrating the 10-year anniversary of this beer. So every time any of our friends pick up beer, it's always Nordeast because we have to help celebrate this wonderful Minnesota beer. Now, that is exciting that your beer is 10 years old because yeah. that kind of ties into the SFBX Scott Fishball 10. What a transition. Holy well, shit. I was just thinking, wow, that was smooth, Larry. Holy moly. <laughs> And I just happen to be on the clock in my division. I'm in the Shira division. It's the 16th round. It's the 1609. Uh, I've been on the clock for an hour and 15 minutes because I wanted to make this pick on the air. So I, I haven't told anyone that I wanted to do that. So they're probably just like, oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> I mean, it's 930 on Friday. To make his make your damn pick, what could you possibly be doing? And I just wanted to, I don't know, what the fuck, man? I wanted to do this live. There's only, a few, you know, there's only six rounds to go. I did not do any pre-show studying of the pick because I had to put my daughter to sleep and it was my buddy's birthday. Call him. So right now I'm just going to make this pick. And I'm going to try to do it as quick as possible. Who did you now, Larry, take? tell us what round are you? It's the 16th round. Okay. It's the 1609. So I took I took Carlos Hyde. Yikes. In the 16th round. So at this point, I was just t- making a run on any running back that might have any. Yeah. They, it got thin real quick at running back, of course. I yeah. have um, Chris Carson. I have Chris Carson already. So I was okay with taking a late shot at that. I don't like handcuffing generally, but I'm not sure yeah. Carson is ready completely at the at the beginning of the season. So we have the ADP app courtesy of Josh ADHD. SFBX ADP APP courtesy of Josh yeah. ADHD. Antonio Brown sitting out there. What do you guys think about taking him? His ADP is 150 uh, according to this app. Yeah, so my brain tells me that that's a terrible decision just because right just because it's Antonio Brown, but at the same time, right? Obviously we're not looking at this from a dynasty perspective since it is SFB We're just looking at from this redraft perspective. And, you know, if you manage to get one top 24 finish at either running back or wide receiver from a guy in the 16th round in one week, that's worth it. Um, So if Antonio Brown plays, the chances that he he gets at least one top 24 week, it's probably pretty high with that likelihood, just knowing the talent level that he has. You know, that whole argument that we've had all offseason of will he play again? If so... Who's he going to play for? Is he actually going to get the chance to be, you know, a starting wide receiver? That whole argument that we've had over and over and over and over and over again this offseason. Right. So it's kind of weighing the odds, but I've been seeing him get drafted higher than I would normally do it. So even the ADP that you that you mentioned, um, you'd actually be picking him about 10 spots later or so after the uh, his current ADP. So it's not a terrible choice if he happens to even get one week. That's worthwhile. It's a bonus. You also you also yeah. have the uh, only problem is do you know when that week is coming? Because no. if, if if you're just taking a guess, it's like 
Right. And you know, there's just, there are situations where he could be, you know, if he goes to San Francisco or uh, Minnesota. I mean, places like that where there's a lot of open, at least targets to be had, and he can earn some of those. But I mean, if he ends up in Seattle, like what he's been connected to, I, I'm just not interested because not to take anything away from Antonio Brown, but he's 32 entering the season at 32 or whatever. He hadn't played in basically two years. He had one game last year. I think he probably still gets a suspension, even if he does get signed. And you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It's not like they don't have anybody to catch the ball. So. I mean, it wouldn't be the ideal situation. If he ends up in a situation like that, at, th- at that point, you're just, to me, he's a wide receiver three, you know, with upside. But I don't feel great about him. But I'm, I'm a Antonio Brown hater at this point. Yeah, you make really good points. But now, so now let's talk about who he's up against here. So it's all a bunch of rookies. You said you're the 1609. And according to the, the Josh ADHD app, this would be the latest that he's been taken. So this is the 189th pick. The latest pick he's gone is the 185th pick. If I take, if I pull the trigger on him, I will now be the latest guy, the last guy to take Antonio Brown currently in drafts. That's value. You know, at least that's value. I also had my eye on now. Now we're going to now Kane can help us out here because there's a whole boatload of rookies that are mixed in with him right now that are sitting out there to draft Antonio Brown or any of these guys, Pittman, Higgins, Mims, or LaVisca Chenault. I would take all four of those rookies over Antonio Brown. Remember for this year, just season only. Yep. I'd still take all four of them over Antonio Brown. Right. So I think if, if we're deciding between players, I would probably either decide between Michael Pittman or Mims. And I think Mims actually has the best chance of having the most receiving yards on his team. So that's, that's probably where I would lean since Denzel Mims is actually probably the best wide receiver there outside of Jamison Crowder or yeah, Jamison Crowder, who's going to catch what, 15 passes for 42 yards? So you're thinking Mims is the way to go here? That, that's just what I'd say. If you want just a pure upside play, obviously that'd be LaVisca Chenault. Just right. out of pure upside, who knows what's going to happen with the whole Leonard right. Cornette situation. See, I was thinking Mims, but because I'm a Jets fan and I'm biased, so... I didn't my I didn't want my head to cloud my my judgment, but I'm going Mims. It's the only only player only Jet that will be on my team because of the other issue that I the the big mistake I made and I panicked. I have my two quarterbacks. I took Mahomes. I had the one four. Took Mahomes. Uh, then I, I ended up Matt Stafford. The way the picks were, there was just some strange picks going off the board. I thought that one of I thought Locke or Darnold would co- would come back to me, or even Haskins. Getting back to this ADP. I mean, it's, it's building as these drafts are going on. So you're really not getting true ADP data. So I was just like, man, it was, it was just, I think I'm like, everybody's got two quarterbacks. It's a roll of the dice. And I went Hunter Henry instead of taking that third. I'm a big third quarterback guy in the fishbowl. I feel like you have to have a third quarterback, especially last year where there's 57 starting quarterbacks last year. Uh, and I was in a league where three teams were done by week five. They either had uh, Mahomes and Cam or Andrew Luck and Roethlisberger or, you know, just a combination of that. So three teams right. just took a shit right away. I always go back to uh, what FF Blitz said, Mike Sipes, you always want to, you need a third quarterback in SFB. You just have to have one in a situation like that. And last year I, I took, I had three great quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G was my third quarterback. I, I went pretty far, but I ended up Russell Wilson ended up shitting on me, but I didn't have to worry about I wasn't chasing a quarterback. So I'm a big have to have to get a third quarterback. I rolled the dice when I shouldn't have. I'm in a 1.75 tight end premium. Justin's in the same league. The Dynasty Diagnostic Champions League. That Stompy, Eitan Mosia, and um, Outhouse run. 1.75 tight end premium. And Hunter, it was a, at one point, Hunter Henry was like, had more points than Keenan Allen before he got hurt. So I, I just kept thinking about that. And I'm also in the same conference as Justin and Scott Connor. So I'm watching their drafts as well. You have that ability in the in the Scott Fishbowl to look at, uh, I don't know how many, what is it, like 10 other leagues or whatever drafts, drafts that are going on. So you can kind of see how other drafts are playing out. You know, I have a lot of respect for Scott Connor. And with the same pick, he had, to, he had the same pick as me. With the 100th pick, he took Hunter Henry. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, and you always think, what does Scott know? Scott's got, he's got to have some type of edge that he, you know. So I'm like, man, Hunter Henry, or should I take one of these QBs? And, I'm, and I'd be locked up at quarterback. So. I went Hunter Henry, quarterbacks went, and I panicked. Should have went tight end. 
Kaseki was out there. Hawkinson was still out there. Goddard, you know, top, woke up in the morning and it was my pick. Boom, I took Nick Foles as my third quarter. Oh, wow. You know, I don't hate I don't hate it. You know what? It's not a terrible pick, but I could have probably taken him three or three rounds later. Right. You know? Did you, were, were you able to hedge your bets at least and get Trubisky a little later in the draft or not? I took Herbert because uh, Herbert later. Oh, yeah. Because I hate because I don't think Trubisky is really going to amount to much. Sure. Maybe he will, but I don't know. I, I like the, I think Herbert, once he gets in, he'll, so who knows? Messed up my whole strategy and I should have just went with my gut. You know, and again, I'm a Jets fan. So I, I was either Darnold or Locke and I still, I'm looking at the gridiron scholar, you know, and, and he's, he's taking Locke as his second quarterback. So I'm really relying on a lot of these experts or a lot of these analysts that I respect in these other divisions and I'm, I'm looking at their picks and i'm like oh man you know what does he know you know what does that guy know so i, I rely on that too during this time uh, i kind of went the same route i i ended up drew Brees 202 and then i took stafford i think in the fourth i only have mine pulled up and then i just punted for a while and qbs kept going and i kept looking and going man there's other value everywhere else i ended up where i was like man i gotta take a quarterback so i grabbed fitzpatrick so how are you guys feeling about your fishbowl teams you know my, this team's weird i took people that have a history of injury or could hold out through my first what eight picks yikes dalvin cook <laughs> oh yeah he was my first round pick <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe Mixon, Ooh. and then Carson Wentz and Matt Stafford, Adam Thielen and Mark Ingram, Stefan Diggs and Drew Locke were my first eight picks. The The quarterbacks weren't moving in this league, and it, it hit the eighth round, and I was deciding between guys like Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Jimmy oh. Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger, and I was like, I'm not going to let this value fall to people that haven't taken a quarterback. Right. Um, and so when I'm looking at the people that were going around Drew Locke at my 805, did I want Drew Locke or Ronald Jones, TJ Hawkinson, Darius Geis, Tyler Boyd? Like, no, I want Drew Locke as my third quarterback over all those guys, especially when I'm shooting for the moon with guys like Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford that do have a history of injury. We Ours went off early. I mean, Roethlisberger went at the 612. I was actually hoping Minshew would fall back to me coming around. He went at the 707. Cam finally went off at the 805. Where'd Cam go in you guys' draft while you're looking it up? If you Mine went early. Um, I mean, quarterbacks just flew off the board in, in our league. And that's what that's what was the other problem. I'm looking at these, these other it's leagues. 1007 in my league. These quarterbacks are just lasting forever in these other leagues, but in mine, they're just flying off the board. He was another one that I was kind of, you know, if he falls to me on, on yeah. in that round, I was ready to take him. So 607. Wow. Yeah. 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 Your quarterback did fly off early. Yeah, he was um, the ten oh seven in mine. Nineteen quarterbacks in the first five rounds. That's a lot of lot, lot of lot of QBs. Now I normally jump on that, but there was just the value. There were so many other players there because they were going so early, and I was like, oh, damn it, let me squeeze this in. Everyone has their quarterbacks, but yeah, that's how it works, man. You roll the dice, and that's what you got to do. You got to swing big in this fishbowl. You got to roll the dice sometimes, and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. So who knows? So so I have I have four quarterbacks. It's not the end of the world, but uh, there. I mean, I would have preferred a little little more value there at that Nick Foles pick, but you know. I'll live. I'll survive. Yeah. The waiver wire is key in the fishbowl. It was a third. It's just your third and, quarterback and anyway. Third, so. well, th well, my issue was that, yes, it was my third quarter. It wasn't, it's not so much the quarterback. It's just that there I could have waited on on Foles probably for an, at least another two rounds and got yeah. – you know, and got some some value there. Uh, to, could have taken a Gasicki there. So. Bulls went in the thirteenth and hour. Yeah, I took him in at the end of the tenth round, the ten nine. Yeah, yeah. I panicked. I do. Some, I usually do some research. This is what I what I do. I jump on. I check out the. I check out the ADP. I look at some other leagues and see where folks are going. I look at my team and see what what my needs mm -hmm. are. And then I then I start weighing the value of, of who's out there compared to all that other stuff. I woke up that oh fuck Hask Haskins went so Darnold went. This is the ninth round. Three quarterbacks went in the ninth round. Then it went Minshew ten two, Darnold ten three, Haskins ten six, Tyrod Taylor ten seven, and then it was my pick at the ten nine, and I took Nick Foles at the ten ten. Ryan Fitzpatrick went, and then no one then no one took a quarterback until the thirteenth round. So that tenth round, that's where all the quarterbacks. Kind of just yeah. Same thing happened in mine. It was uh, let's see here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve quarterbacks from in the eighth through the tenth round. And the next one was the twelve oh two. That was me with Fitzpatrick, and then twelve twelve Stidham Bowles in the thirteenth. I mean, it, it it petered out pretty quick. But that run of whatever fourteen quarterbacks in those three rounds that's that's pretty steep. It was crazy.
but you know that's what it is. It is what it is, and yeah. you know we'll see how it goes. The fishbowl, it's it's something else, you know. Um, yeah, I ended up having three out of the first nineteen quarterbacks. Three of the nineteen, yeah. So, so how do you feel about the rest of your roster then? Um, I actually don't mind it. We're still in the twelfth round, but at this point, I have Drew Locke, Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, Delvin Cook, Mark Ingram, Joe Mixon. Stefan Diggs, Mikol Hardman, Jalen Rager, Debo Samuel, Adam Thielen, and Noah Fan. So I still feel pretty confident in in the rest of the roster that I have. Um, definitely some guys that are going to score a lot of points, which which I like. I thought it was really surprising how late I got Noah Fant in this league because yeah. there were just you know tight ends flying off the board, but I was able to get Noah Fant at the ten oh five in this league, which I thought was some crazy good value, um, especially yeah. when he was going after guys. Like Jared Cook. The cool thing about uh, Josh's app is if you go to my team, you can type in, if you know the, the team name, you can type it in. So I just put in at Debbie and there you are. So yeah, Fant in the 10th is great, but are you concerned that maybe he still doesn't produce at, you know, a tight end one level and, or at least a, a difference making tight end one and you're left behind with the scoring settings of this? I, I don't think so. So through this whole time, I was planning to take tight end late. Because I think there's a couple tight ends um, still on the board that I'm going to be able to get, you know, in the 15th round that are going to end up, you know, just being really big values. And one of those guys is Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson in this format, still not knowing, right, the health of of Will Disley, right. Jacob Hollister not really being the true a true pass catcher at Seattle. I think that gives Greg Olson just a huge leg up, especially if they don't end up getting an Antonio Brown or anything like that. They still only have two good wide receivers. And then it's really just Greg Olson over the middle for the first how many ever games. So I'm I'm going to rely on someone like that while Noah, Noah Fant and the rest of the yeah, Denver offense just figure out, you know, their game plan. Uh, obviously with, you know, two new wide receivers coming in with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, and then you add in the new offensive coaching staff, they just might not be sure where things are going to go. So I'm just going to take that value where I can get it. And I think Greg Olson in this format is a tremendous value. His ADP is 169.8. I'm in the one. I'm in the 190s now. So maybe I'll catch there? him on the way back. Is he still there for you too? Yes. Yeah, I think he's just a really great value. And there's there's crazy values all over this draft at, at most positions too, which I think is wild. Um, like a guy like Justin Jackson, I think is a crazy value where he's going. Um, mm-hmm. Just just the fact that if he gets, you know, do you really think that they're going to give uh, Joshua Kelly the run the first six games? Probably not. And they're going to split the workload. So why wouldn't you want, you know, Justin Jackson that's going to get 14, you know, 14 touches a game over the first how many? And then who knows what's going to happen with an injury, especially with everything COVID related right now. If we do end up having a season and it's on time, what happens when, you know, a running back gets COVID? Um, right. How many how many weeks are they going to be out? At least two with the 14 day quarantine. Right. And then they're not right. going to give that running back their full workload right away when they come back just due to all the the respiratory stuff that's that's continuing with some people after they no longer have I think running backs the rest of this draft or where I'm just going to end up hammering value just in case something happens what do you I wanted to ask you what do you think with all this nonsense that's happening what's the direct impact it's going to have on the on the, the preparations and performance of these or, or basically the learning the ropes part of things for these rookies I got to think they're that they'll be at a disadvantage especially with guys on a team that are there's going to be turmoil all over the all over these teams right. they're going to they're this guy's going to get it and then they, you know i mean and this, and this is a point uh, another chat with scott connor who mentioned how he's picking up all these random backup quarterbacks because yeah. of specifically because of covid this guy's going to yeah. get it he's done for 2 weeks so you know the backup quarterbacks are, might play a, of a significant role than they might normally have that doesn't pertain to injury i mean it's going to be all yeah. hands on deck this year uh with backup quarterbacks but getting back to rookies what's the transition like when it comes down to college to pros is there i mean with all this outside nonsense happening is it is it is it going to be is going to set them back some in terms of the learning process yeah so i think obviously we all know that the easiest transition um is obviously the running back position um when we look at just from historically from from college to the nfl um but i think there's still going to be 
a deficiency there that we wouldn't normally see, right? With no with no uh, spring training, with no preseason games, things like that. That that's really going to hurt the uh, rookie running backs as well, especially when there's established veterans that already know the playbook and and they're coming in with no deficiencies, basically. Um, so that that comes to mind, guys like Jonathan Taylor that we think is going to take over the Colts' backfield. I don't anticipate that happening in the first few weeks right with I think he's going to play some but I think Marlon Mack is going to end up having the lion's share of that work just due to Jonathan Taylor maybe not knowing the playbook as much right and then we move to wide receivers we know that wide receivers is a really difficult transition um and we saw right with AJ Brown the huge breakout last year that didn't start happening until shortly after their bye week um, so it did take him some time getting into the season. Obviously, we did see the quarterback change with Tennessee, and that's that's definitely part of why there was more success because Mariota clearly wasn't doing it. Um, but if we if we look at just what AJ Brown was doing after the bye week, he had the time leading up to it, and then he had an extra week in the bye week to really focus and prepare and uh, work for the future. So I think it's gonna it's gonna hurt wide receivers a lot. Um, I think. It's going to be difficult for me to for me to assume that we're going to see a top 24 wide receiver that's a rookie. I think that's going to be really tough if we don't if these rookies don't have like some huge boom weeks like AJ Brown did this past season. So if that happens it'll most likely be Mims is what you're saying. Um I think <laughs> I think if it were to happen I think it would be like Mims or Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. I thought um, about him too. <laughs> Possibly Jalen Rager, but I think that's that's a I, bit, too. <laughs> I think Jalen Rager, that's a bit more of of a stretch. Just the way that they just the way that Philadelphia plays offense. We could we could certainly imagine a season where even with Jalen Rager, that they still just pepper the tight ends and running back with targets. Would that surprise anyone? Absolutely no, not. not. Like Dallas Goddard, another right. year of experience. Uh, I mean, they they were they shared the stage last year, him and Ertz. So they're just going to pick up where they left off, and then right. the other guys are going to ha- going to be playing catch up. You know, the yeah, and then and then you have Miles Sanders right. with with a full off season with everyone, and I think him coming into his second season, I think, is just going to uh, make things a little easier for that offense. So I don't think they're going to rely on the wide receiver position as much, and especially if. Uh, Jalen Rager gets off to a slow start. Then also Alshon Jeffrey is going to come back about week six or so. So there's just another person that you're competing with for targets. Am I trying to say that Jalen Rager and Alshon Jeffrey are the same player? Absolutely not. But if we're just looking at just where are those targets going to go, and if it's going to be a rookie that doesn't know the playbook versus Alshon Jeffrey, who's been in the same offense for the past four seasons, right. well, then it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard for me to say that Jalen Rager is going to be the clear cut one. Yeah, I'm not sure that any of these receivers are going to have an early impact. To be honest, it's already just like Payne was saying. It takes these breakouts were happening in the second half of the season last year, and um, and that was with I, the spring I, training, right? Exactly. So if you if you add in the complications of People missing practice time, people missing film time. You know, they're not in the they're not in the film room getting stuff broke down with with position coaches. They're they're sitting at their house watching stuff. You know, or you know, they're zoom they're doing zoom meetings. And great as zoom meetings are, they're just not the same as someone standing in front of you going, "Hey, check this out right here." And look, you know, you see what the corner is doing here. This is how you react and, and make a move, set the corner up like that. It just it's different when it's hands on. So, right. You know. And I think and I think that's where. Um, a player like like Jefferson is going to excel a little more just because um, if he has more snaps at the slot, right? You're they're dealing with less press coverage. They're dealing with um, cornerbacks that aren't the number one or number two cornerbacks on the team. You know, so I think that helps out a little bit. There's even a chance that linebackers could be out there, depending, you know, if they're in a nickel set or what have you. So, excuse me, not a nickel set, but just a traditional four three or a three, four set. So yeah, I, I think that Justin Jefferson or Mims probably has the best chance. Cause I don't think the Jets defense is going to be that great this year. So the Jets are going to have to hopefully move the ball better than they did last year. Well, not hopefully they're going to have to, if they want to win games. Well, I, I, I still believe in Darnold. So yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I don't, I don't believe in Darnold, but I'm just saying if we're looking at a side by side comparison, right. like if they want to win more games, they have to perform better than they did last year. And that's not all on Darnold. It's mostly on that terrible coaching staff. You know, I think that's definitely something worth noting that 
that if we continue to see a status quo from Adam Gase, who historically doesn't see a huge uptick year over year in offensive productivity, then we're in for another rough year from the Jets. One of the issues that Gase brings to every team is just pace of play. You know, if you're only getting, you know, 52 offensive snaps versus 59 or 60 or 63 offensive snaps, it's a big difference. Talking about over the course of a season, 10, 12% less sometimes or more. Yeah, especially uh, with a low red zone efficiency. That, I mean, that's basically that a killer for fantasy production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the, team, if the team is scoring 28 touchdowns as a team, you know, as a whole, there's just not a whole lot for a whole lot of ways for that to spread. If we assume, right, that Sam Darnold plays all 16, and if we have a full season, Mm -hmm. that he's going to throw for, what, 4,300 yards? Somewhere around there, right? And that's probably a a generous That may be a little generous, but yeah. But 4,000, 4,200, something like that, sure. Even if you're coming in, let's say 4,000 and even 4,000, you have what you're probably going to have Jameson Crowder with just a hair under 900. Le'Veon Bell's probably going to have, what, Four or five hundred receiving yards. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah, and and then you have uh, Brashad Perryman. Let's let's just say for positivity that he brushes a thousand yards. That would be more than I could possibly ask for out of him. Right, but let's just say that he just barely sure. brushes a thousand someone's yards. Someone's got it. Someone, yeah. Someone's so got so got right now you're somewhere around twenty three hundred. Yeah, and then Chris Herndon and the tight ends. Let's say that they have what 600. 600 so we're at what 3000 yards we still have 1200 yards to play with if we're right. if we're giving him 4200 yards That's so a great breakdown these yards have to go somewhere i think denzel mims is just the best wide receiver on that team i think coming in i didn't really like denzel mims in the draft process but landing there he's clearly better than brashad perriman they have to you have to go somewhere like these yards have to go somewhere and the touchdowns have to come right where we can't consistently believe that Sam Darnold's going to have like a 3.5% touchdown percentage on his attempts right that there it's going to be closer to the normal average of 48 to 5% somewhere in there so we're going to see an uptick in touchdowns and hopefully an uptick in red zone efficiency. And I think that red zone efficiency, especially with the big body of Denzel Mims, is just another spot where he's going to have an uptick there. I do think that Mims helps Darnold maybe more than Darnold helps Mims. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, Darnold had no help last year. Right, when you just have Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is good at what he does. I'm not knocking Jamison Crowder. He's a chain mover and he finds gaps in zones. That's Perfect. That's what you need out of a slot guy. But you can't have an effective slot guy if you don't have at least one effective outside wide receiver. And it was clear that that Robbie Anderson either didn't want to be in that system or that Gase didn't want to use him effectively. Where are you guys at with Tom Brady? Because I, I, I considered him and then I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want this old guy on a new team. And I, I get he's Tom Brady, but I don't know, man. I'm older. I'm We're around this. We're, I'm a, we're around the same age. <laughs> I, the, thing, the thing that I really don't get about Tom Brady is if, if you're in a tournament like this, you want to shoot for the moon with points. And do you really believe that Tom Brady is the one that's shooting that is your player that you're shooting for the moon with? Like, he's not going to be that guy if you're really hoping that Tom Brady is going to be like he was with Randy Moss Randy now Moss, that he yeah. has some more talents and you think he's going to throw for 5,200 yards and 48 touchdowns. Well, that's not going to happen. He's not going to be able yeah, to do no that way. again. So I'm I'm at a loss as to thinking he's going to do that. And I don't see him as a quarterback one. I don't even he's like a, him as he's a low quarterback two. Yeah, exactly. I don't even see yeah, he's him. Forty three. Oh, he's forty three. Oh, then yeah, then I'm I'm yeah, I'm. He's, he's not thirty one years old. He's well. Either way, he's not my. I wouldn't want him as my second quarterback in the superflex. I mean, in this type of format, in a redraft format, or in the fishball. So let's let's just play the the what if game, right? So let's say that I don't take Matthew Stafford and I take the next player, which would have been Melvin Gordon. So would you have rather had uh, Melvin Gordon and Tom Brady or Adam Thielen and Matthew Stafford? Gordon Brady. No, I'll take, I'll take Stafford and Thielen. I'm a running back. Yeah. I I just think you're going to get, what are you going to get Kane? (laughs) Well, I think you're going to get just more points at both spots. You're right. You're right. Well, listen, you don't know what which type of Brady you're going to get. Are we going to get the Randy Moss Brady? Because he's never had weapons like he hasn't weapons like this in years. He hasn't had weapons like this since Randy Moss. Right. But what Melvin Gordon are we going to get? There's a difference, though. I, I, I think there's a difference between what you saw. There's going to be a huge difference in volume in Tampa Bay from last year to this year. You know, you had Winston putting them in situations where they were going to have to play catch up. I mean, 
constantly throwing early interceptions uh, down 14, 21 points, and then making these massive second half you know, stat runs. Not necessarily winning games, obviously, but just piling up junk time stats. You know, I don't care what anybody says. If you're down 21 at the half, that's junk time stats in the second half. You know what scared so. me? What, you know what scared me off about Brady? Bruce Arians. Isn't it the the quarterback in their first year in a Bruce Arians offense throws a bunch of picks? Like, didn't Carson you know, Palmer throw a ton of picks his first year in Bruce Arians offense? And then Winston sets, you know, throws a gazillion picks last year and then they get rid of him. I mean, Brady and a new one. We don't even know who Brady is going to be outside in a brand new, you know, he's somewhere else. You know, he's cheating already, rolling into somebody else's house with a duffel bag and he's trying to get that edge. You know, who knows? You I mean, mentioned that the other day in a chat, Larry, and I, I'm not concerned about the picks because I think Brady's smart enough not to throw intercept. I'm concerned about the sacks. Because he's he's he doesn't move around in the pocket well at this age anymore. You know, he's kind of a, a statue back there. And it's a terrible offensive line. And then I'm worried about the completion percentage. In this where it's the point five for a completion, but negative one for the incompletion. His his completion percentage has been on the decline for years now. It was here's, under 61% last year. Here's the biggest issue I see is like people are trying to marry the Tom Brady of old with the Bruce Arians mm-hmm. offense. And one of those two things has to give, right? You can't consistently say that Tom Brady's now going to throw for 600 passing attempts because that's what Jameis Winston did, right? right? That's not going to happen. Tom Brady, what, is maybe going to throw for 515 pass attempts this next season? Maybe if we get a full 16 games of Tom Brady. Um, and we're going to see – we're probably going to see, you know – um, not as much throwing it deep down the field with a guy like Tom Brady versus Jameis Winston. Right. Jameis Winston is known as a risk taker. Tom Brady's not when throwing yeah, the football. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you can fully marry the two together. And so that's one issue, but also like I raised earlier, just talking about Melvin Gordon is what Melvin Gordon are you going to get? Are you going to get the Melvin Gordon that still averages 3.9 yards per carry, but gets 280 carries with the Chargers? I have a hard time seeing that that's going to be the case, especially when he was so touchdown dependent with the Chargers. I can tell you right now, I've been picking up Lindsey in a lot of places because I think that he's still going to be very involved. That's interesting. I just, I think that that's a, that's a backfield that likes to, that doesn't want to give the ball to one guy all the time. And Lindsey has experience in that offense. He, he's been productive, not necessarily as efficient in the second half last season as he was for the the season and a half before his rookie right. and then the first half of last season. Elway, but, but John um, Elway's been such a prick, though, when it comes to Lindsey. Anytime he, they, they've discussed Lindsey with Elway, he's been like, you know, about his contract, because he's up for another contract after. See, I don't know well, if he's maybe. Yeah, because Lindsey's not a 6'8 quarterback. Yeah, there's there's a big difference between talking in the in the press and then what happens on the field. I mean, Royce Freeman was supposed to be the 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 bee's knees two years ago. Next thing you know, he's the backup and he's just a bit player. So So I I don't care about what Elway says, because, I mean, none of that really matters once the coach puts put the headset on and starts calling plays. I wanted to ask Kane real quick. We were talking about Tom Brady. Their first round pick was an offensive lineman. How do you, their offensive line was an issue last year. Does that tackle fix it? I think because they got the tackle out of, uh, they got Werfs out of Iowa, right? Right. They did. Yeah. He's real good. (laughs) Like, I think he is one of the more pro ready right away. His ceiling sure might not be as high as the other guys that were drafted before him, but he's pro ready right away. Um, So I think he's going to, I think he's going to be able to be slotted in there but you also have to see some of the defense that the defensive ends that he's going to be facing you put him up against cam jordan with the saints twice a year and cam jordan's going to eat him alive like he's not going to be ready he's not going to be ready for that all-star talent so yeah there's still going to be some question marks it's clearly anything's going to be an upgrade over what that offensive line did last year where are you on Keyshawn vaughn are you i think ronald jones is better yeah interesting that's Keyshawn Vaughn is all it's all hype. It's all hype. Right I'm not now, saying so. that Keyshawn Vaughn isn't good, but like we were saying earlier with no playbook, not right. even being not even being able to uh, COVID see Keyshawn Vaughn when everyone's trying to say that he's a better pass protector than Ronald Jones. Well, he hasn't been on the field. 
right? We don't have spring training. We don't know, right? Nope, and nope. the chance that we might never get a, a normal spring training, we don't know what that what that pass pro is going to look like. So do you want to trust the guy who you've never seen in a pass pro situation in the NFL or trust a guy that did improve at the end of last year? What about these rookies? I mean, right now they reduced it to what, two preseason games? They'll probably yeah. make it yeah. zero. I mean, maybe, maybe I would, I would think maybe it'll just be one dress rehearsal game at this point when it when it all boils down. Once once that once we're at like a hundred thousand cases a day, they'll probably make it uh, one preseason game, maybe zero preseason games. Are the where are uh, is the expectation uh, of these rookies or they're just gonna jump in and be like pro ready with no experience? They're just gonna jump right in and, and be NFL players and and that's how it's gonna be. I don't know, man. Now that I uh, saying this out loud, my fishbowl is comprised of a number of rookies. I might be at a disadvantage. Well, I think I think second half of the season, um, you could probably see a boom there. But I think you're going to need, if you're drafting a lot of rookies, you're going to need a really solid start from veterans before the rookies can even get anywhere close to contributing. And I'm not saying that rookies aren't going to contribute, but if we look at just the start of this season versus last season, I don't think you're going to have a guy like Josh Jacobs who's coming in and getting 20 carries week one. I don't think we're going to see a running back that's doing that right away. Right. Um, so I think I think that's part of the problem, is that things are just going to be pushed back a few weeks. So breakouts are going to be happening later with with some of these wide receivers and and I totally get that but for your fantasy redraft team to actually be successful your veterans need to hit right away that right. might be in changes of scenery need to hit right away before you can even think about playing any of those rookies that are still going to be learning the system but even I mean but this is going to be new this is new for everyone even the veterans I mean there's not going to be anybody in the stands uh, Stefan Diggs already came out and said, he goes, I've never played without fans. He goes, I've well, no he one. played at Maryland. So about the same thing. Beryl Joffrey's in the chat. He makes a good, um, I don't know if I said that right. Maybe I did or, or it did not, but he makes a good point with the running backs should still be fine because they're running backs and the wide receivers will take a step back. Uh, I still don't think the running backs, I mean, they're just not going to come. These rookie running backs are not just going to jump in and be pass protectors. Like they're still going to, they're not, they're going to be like, holy shit, I'm wearing an NFL uniform. I'm in fucking Arrowhead stadium, <laughs> you know, or Lambeau field. Holy shit. I, I mean, I've, I've heard a number of, of NFL veterans say their first year was just a whirlwind. Yeah. They don't like, know what so many things happen. I mean, I understand that no one knows, what's going on now but fuck you know I, it's it i don't need who you don't know what to expect and it's you just have to take your shots in a, in a redraft league or the, like the, like the fishbowl but um you know yeah and i think and i think when you mentioned there are no fans this is the exact same thing that i was talking with um some of my friends about with college football like if we have a no fan time in college football and i think if that happens there's going to be less blowouts. Yeah, there's not that that whole demoralizing. Yeah, I think you're because right. especially when you're at home, right? If if you're at home versus southeastern directional Utah in week <laughs> in you know week one or week two of a college game, and you blow them out 174 to zero because you're Alabama, like yeah, it's great when your fans are there. But if your fans aren't there, are you still going to kick the dog shit out of this team 100 by 174 points? Probably not. Basically, the home field advantage though is just going to be is going to be gone. I mean, right. there's just not going to be anything to it. You know, when you get into these rivalry games, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Bama, Auburn, you're going to see where wherever they're playing, it's just not an advantage like it generally is. It's like a neutral that, field. It's neutral not that field. Michigan all has an advantage over anybody over Ohio State at any point. Um, yeah, going back to the rookies and and fading rookie wide receivers, it's crazy to look. You know, I'm looking at the draft right now, and CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, those guys went off at the 1409 and 1410. Ruggs at the 1501. And, I mean, just crazy late. But it's because everybody in our draft was just terrified to take them. I mean, I took A.J. Dillon in, at the 1402 before any of those guys went. And I'm not an A.J. Dillon guy, but all I figured was that's an injury away if uh, Jones goes down and – He's missed games, obviously, uh, misses a game or two or three every year so far. I and mean, so has Jamal Williams. Right. And, yeah, neither neither are, like, the picture of health, you know. I mean, right. and it's an NFL running back. It, they get hurt. So I was much more comfortable taking those guys than maybe the limited upside, especially early in the season, 
of those rookie wide. Yeah, and I think the way that that the fishbowl set up too, right, is that not only do you need to be consistent through the season, but as you get these last couple weeks, right, week thirteen, week fourteen, you need huge weeks during those times to move to move on. It's all best ball at that point. Yeah, Yeah. so I think that's when rookies are probably going to help you out the most. Yep. Like, I think that's when Jalen Rager might hit his stride. That's going to be when C.D. Lamb really figures it out when Michael Gallup inevitably gets hurt again. Like, that's when these these wide receivers are really going to start coming into their own. And I think that's going to really help a Scott Fishbowl lineup, especially yep. when there's teams that are playing for nothing, like the Jets. Right. Sorry, Larry. But, you know, when, <laughs> when you're the Jets and you're going into week 13 and you're four and... Eight, oh, you I, know, and if you're going in there, why not just pepper Denzel Mims with targets to see what you got? You got to get him experience. You got you exactly. know you design design some plays for him. We'll see how it goes. Uh-huh. Um, I actually just sent over uh-huh. two trades where I'm trading away Julio. So this is in a dynasty league. So the first trade I sent over was Julio Jones and a 2021 first for Miles Sanders in a traditional half point PPR league. Yeah, that's Sanders all day. I'm fine um, with that. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the other trade I sent over is Julio Jones and the 2020 102. Um, mm-hmm. This is a one quarterback league. Julio Jones and right. the 102. Yeah, for Miles Sanders, Terry McLaurin, and Darius Slayton. I would take the Julio Jones side on that one. I might as well. I I, I like the the first trade. I like for you, the Sanders for the 2021 first. The 102. That's that's JT or CEH and hopefully it's, it's JT. JT will be there at the 102. Then that so to me he's he's my 101. So and I I think I just slightly value him over Sanders. It's close. But then I still want Julio over McLaurin and Slayton combined. I I'm not I'm not a big Slayton guy and I do like McLaurin, but I just don't know that he has this kind of ceiling upside, you know, the the kind of championship caliber week changing upside. Yeah, and, and I get that cuz it's it's really small starting rosters too. It's just Oh, Your normal really? redraft league uh-huh. just made into a like dynasty league. So two running back, two wide receiver, one flex. Oh no way! I want Julio and that and JT in that. But I, I also that depth doesn't. Go ahead. So at the running back position, I already have Saquon and Kenyon Drake, mm-hmm. and then my wide receivers are Devonte Adams, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, and Robert Woods. Yeah, I think I still because I I, I think you've got it for at least this year. It's Adams, Julio, Woods, Cooper. Because I'm just I, I hate I hate having to click the button on Amari Cooper. I'd rather. Yeah, but the way I see it is like my team's so rock solid that if Amari Cooper puts up eight, fine. If Amari Cooper puts up twenty four, I really won versus just barely winning. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And I mean, it does give you the the reset on the clock as far as uh, age goes. I just in a in a really shallow league, I just don't know that McLaurin is ever going to be a difference maker for you. So now yeah, you're looking yeah. at. And Especially with what, the wide receivers I already have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's going to be revoke by. that trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did it, Larry. We got him. So um, I think it's just you know you're you're giving up two starters for one starter, right. you know, and one of those starters is comparable, you know, with the JT and Sanders thing. Sure, that's my thought process. I think JT over Sanders. It's close for me, but I like JT more. That's not even close for me. Yeah, it's JT. Really? I mean, you're on the best offensive line. Peterson, he's never he's never had a uh, a dominant running back. He's always spread it around. So, so you're not on the you're not on the as Sanders ascends into the top five, six, seven running backs this year. Sanders right? was my I took Sanders in the fishbowl. He's like my second or third pick. Uh, I'm hoping because he flashed at the end before he got hurt. So <laughs> I, I bet ten dollars and it would have paid out seventeen hundred. A Minnesota versus Iowa game. Oh, the fun. Minnesota kicker misses the extra point. We lose by four. The line the line was three. No, I wasn't I wasn't at the game because that was in Iowa. Um, ah. so I was at home with my family. And if we would have made that extra point, the line would have been three. The line was three. <laughs> we lost by four. Yikes. And I took Minnesota plus three. Now, were you high-fiving everybody already? No. I was no. like, no, my thought process, like when you're a Minnesota fan, you're like, he's going to fuck He's going to miss this yeah, field goal. <laughs> right, yeah. And then it happened, and I was like, God damn it. And I hit, it, hit every leg. That was the last game. Oh, oh, my God. So, speaking of Minnesota, now you legitimately are on, bo- on the Tyler... 
Johnson train. Yes. No, no, he's not on the Tyler he's Johnson the train. He's a conductor. Yes, he is the damn conductor. He yeah. owns the train. Anyone that is a Tyler Johnson fan it has bought a ticket to ride on Kane's train. Yeah. There is no – yeah, right. Now, do you yeah. think he locks up? Very, do you yeah. think he locks up the third wide receiver spot? He's that yes. great. He's also just a good slot wide receiver. Because and of all the what chats I'm in with you, I mean, so I'm in a few chats with Kane, and I've been hearing about Tyler Johnson for, I mean, at least the last almost year. Yeah, I've been hearing him. I've been talking about him for the last five. You are. You have been <laughs> right. touting. You've been touting him. You're touting him. Yeah, because I think I think he's a great player, and still at the price point in rookie drafts where he's going. I don't know why you wouldn't want to take that shot. Right. Like, that's wild to me. Um, so I love Tyler Johnson because Kane loves so, Tyler Johnson. And Kane, Ty- Kane loves Tyler Johnson because – Kane, here's the thing, though. He's a Minnesota guy. Yes or no? Would you love him if you if he played yes. for if he played for Rutgers? You wouldn't give a shit. Well, no one would know him if he played for Rutgers. Ah, which, which leads us to Look. Quintus Cephas or Tyler Johnson? Oh, I just wrote the Cephas article, too. I know. Kane um. <laughs> just dropped a beautiful Quintus Cephas piece on DLF. The reason I said it was a beautiful piece was because, I one, I read it. And number two, I just happened to fall into Quintus Cephas in almost all the traps I've had. So I have, him, I have him everywhere. You know, I had no preconceived notions of him. He's got a cool name. That's all I pretty much know about him. And he yeah. played for Detroit, who's got Kenny Galladay and nobody else. I mean, Marvin Jones is, you know, he's about to, they're about to send him out to the glue factory. So, and, and believe it or not, Quintus Cephas is actually the only wide receiver under contract after this season. Wow. Kenny Galladay is not under contract either. Right. We're assuming that Kenny Galladay gets re-signed. They're going to have yeah, a lot but of after that, it's, But after um, that, then there's plenty of, plenty of room for him yeah, to take over. You know? And I think, I think it's really impressive that the same thing that Marvin Jones does really, really well, which is for how small of a guy he is, he high points balls really, really well and has tremendous body control um, on contested catches, which is the exact same thing that Quintez Cephas does really well. So I'm not saying, obviously, we can't just give all the targets that Marvin Jones had to Quint- Quintez Cephas after after the season, but I think there's a realistic possibility where he's going to be the wide receiver too on a team that's going to throw a lot with a quarterback that has a really strong arm. Will there be? I mean, the Big Ten just announced they're just going to do conference games, right? So when I heard when I found out the Big Ten was only playing conference game, I was just like, oh wow! So Rutgers is going to get they're going to be like they're going to lose every game. What's the point spread going to be for every single Rutgers game? Like minus right. fifty or <laughs> might as well bet against it. Right, right. It's going to be ugly. So what? Are, okay, so let's segue into the SVB Potathon. Do this. Kane, did you watch our segment on the Potathon? Hell no, he was asleep. But you didn't go back after the fact and be like, oh, let me look at the video. This guy eating those chips that. uh..." No, I haven't because this was also like the busiest work week I've had in a really, really long time because my (laughs) boss was out. So that kind of made me work more. This is. What the hell is that thing? That's scuba Barbie. This is is Barbie wearing a uh, snow white dress wearing a fucking scuba mask. Well, this is really good for our one uh, YouTube. (laughs) Uh, watcher and really bad for our this five was, podcast this listeners. Right, this was right at this was sitting right <laughs> over here, man. I didn't even have to fucking leave my chair. This is my life. I got Barbies all over the place, man. Barbies fucking hashtag, all over the place. Yeah, well, hashtag girl dead. Uh, I feel your pain. So I'm oh, no, brushing here. There's, there's no pain, yeah. man. There's no pain. It's awesome, man. There's, there's, there's no, awesome. I, I do. Look, I. <laughs> I'll sit there and hold my daughter and brush her hair as long as she wants me to. My wife makes fun of me because I'll just take the comb and just brush it. As long as she'll sit there and do it. Kane, Kane, this guy had a fucking beard just like yours like less than a week ago. I'll have it again in like two weeks. It's like, you know, mine comes and goes. Those guys, eh? Kane, if you were DM'd an NFL player, yes. Who was it? Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Did you? (laughs) Was it a dick pic or what? No, I actually actually talked to a lot more uh, college players. Right. Than anything else. Like I was um a few months ago I was talking to Max Borgie. Oh nice. Journey Brown um, or Max Borgie? Um Journey Brown. He's better. Yeah, I was gonna tell you uh, you I was gonna Max say Borgie? you're not a Max Borgie guy, so that's interesting. I'm no, but I I think okay, he's got he's good talent. So. And I just like talking to football players. Like I just like yeah. talking about football. That's fun to okay. me. No, I can I can I can get on board with that for sure. 
Yeah, so I've been I've been talking to Kai Thomas a lot. You're going to get into some deep names that I have no idea. That about, means so. nothing to you guys, but he's yeah. one of the new running backs yeah. coming to the Junior University of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's going to be a freshman at the University of Minnesota this year. He's going to be a freshman. Did you check his ID before you jumped into his DMs? No, <laughs> did you make sure that he's legal? I'm just saying. It was Chris all Hansen. above board. It was all waste up. That's legal. So I was hoping that I would get two picks during this podcast, but apparently only uh, – so I took Mims. Jerick McKinnon went next. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even me. sure McKinnon's off the board yet. So, so People are overreacting to this Mostert news. I or I don't even know if it's news, really. It's just you know some conjecture. I, I don't the, think he gets traded. Did you see the Scott Fish tweet? There was a Scott Fish tweet that said, your boy – your old boy, Devontae Freeman, to the Niners. This was like yesterday. That doesn't make any sense because he wants what? He, he was offered for and he wants sense. more than that? Well, it makes sense just because of the Shanahan connection. I mean, that's the well, only way it makes sense. Yeah, but here's the thing. Couldn't they just pay Mostert a couple extra million dollars and make it happen? All versus he wants paying is, Devontae all he Freeman. Wants Kevin Coleman money. That's all he wants. That's uh, that's Which his only ask. And I guess they told him to go fuck himself because then he, he was just like, I want to trade. I don't know I don't why. Blame him. Give, give Get my your heart. money when you can. You're running back in the NFL. Yeah. Is the issue is he's got that, that, that big of a deal for the Niners. I mean, they I mean they seem to be a well-run organization, I would think. No. Well, I don't know what their cap situation is, but here's the thing that he has he has no leverage. I mean, absolutely none. He's a 28-year-old running back who has never done anything on any team until he arrived on the on the Niners. He had a little stint in 2018 before I think he broke his arm, I think it was. Yep. Nice run at the end of last year. Other than that, and they I just mean, re-signed him to a new three year. He's a deal nobody in the NFL this world. Past, this past offseason. Not this offseason, but the offseason before he had gotten the a three year deal. So he's it's not like he's not he, he said uh he was or his agent said he's being paid like a special teamer. There is no special teamer that gets an eight million dollar three year contract. That just yeah, he's happen. getting he's getting paid like a special teamer slash an RB three. Well, I feel like but, well he, I th- I understand his beef. He's twenty eight years old. You know, he's got one season where he's done anything of note. I mean anything of note. No, he was great. I actually traded Robbie Anderson for Mostert straight up in my title run in the uh, HQ League. Yeah, so I actually just sold Raheem Mostert in a league. I guess it's not just. It was like three months ago. Uh Feels like a a million years ago, right? Yeah, especially with everything happening this year. (laughs) Um, I I gave up Raheem Mostert, got Ito Smith, Steven Sims, a third, fourth, and fifth round pick. Yeah, I like that. I'm a Steven Sims guy, I, and I'm I'm in a I'm in a rebuild. Like I'm rebuilding this team. So. Loaded all their picks mm. for Mostert. If, if you're rebuilding, you definitely don't want Mostert on your team, right? Because, <laughs> you know, like in in next off season, he's going to be basically worthless. Right. So then I I even traded guys like Latavius Murray away. Like I don't want Latavius Murray scoring points. Not on my team. No, right. Yeah. Right. I need like, a high score, yeah. score like a hundred points a year on someone else's team. Not mine. I'm mm-hmm. starting like Alexander Madison and Edo Smith this year. I'm not winning. Yeah, I did the same thing in, in the league that Larry was bragging about. I, <laughs> I knew and, and Shane came in late trying to do the same thing. He's like, I'm gonna get the one oh one. And I said, If you looked at the standings, I had like two hundred points less than everybody. I was starting my best guys. I just didn't have anybody. Right. Like it wasn't you know, I was starting guys that you wouldn't even roster in a 12 team league, and I was starting them in a 16. You know, it was really ugly. yeah. In in HQ, knew- in HQ2, I ended up after week one, I ended up trading Terry McLaurin and Darren Waller for one first round pick. I that's a 14 yeah, teamer, though, right? Yeah, huh? What pick, was it? What pick did it end up being? Uh, one oh seven or something, or I traded the pick. I can't remember. I trade everything. What year was it? Was right. it nineteen? No, it would well, have been for this coming year. Oh, two thousand twenty-one. wouldn't have been around. Yeah. That's yeah, like hard to trade. That's like an acres but, or swift right there. I know, Whatever. but in a four, in a fourteen teamer, and I know that one has at least a little bit of. You're getting premium. a running back. You're getting a running back with that pick, probably. And uh, but no, McLaurin yeah. and Waller. That's still a great value. And the pick, right and like you that's know an that's it, an even trade. But it was like, are they actually going to be full year? It was things? before the yeah. Like right, it was right. one week. It was like, oh, are they just a one week hotness? Yeah, that, you were that we you were cashing out. Season? Right, you were cashing out on the third rounder from the rookie draft. 
and this UDFA basically that that you picked up off the waiver wire. That's basically right. what you cashed in on for a first rounder. Yeah, there's hey, no where, doubt. Where, where were you on Terry McLaren before the season, before his rookie season? Yeah, I liked him. Um, I thought, you know, I thought he was. I had him at like two oh nine or the two ten. Did he exceed expectations mm-hmm. for you this year, last year? Yeah, yes, he did. He exceeded everybody's expectations. Well, I, I mean, feel. I mean, the ma- I mean, Madman always talks about. I mean, well, I, okay, I know so that he went late in drafts, but there was a lot of hype around him, despite the fact that he went late in drafts. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily shocking the yes, way he did. He immediately. He but, immediately looked but, the part. but still at the same time wasn't necessarily shocking that he was because you heard his name there was buzz around him and he kind of you know he kind so, of that buzz so it looks like i got uh the first round pick and anthony miller mm, so i bad. guess i guess i got a little bit more back but mm, that's not that's bad, not bad so. so kane how many leagues are you in and, and let's hear your your dynasty versus redraft for like what let me hear let me let's hear your inventory what do you got what do you got going on right now i can't remember how many leagues i'm in <laughs> that that's where we're at right now with you <laughs> Yeah, so, so I'm so the pick ended up being the 109. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, that's... so no, 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 I traded the pick. Okay, I traded Debo Samuel, the 109, and the 205 for Michael Thomas. Okay, that's a you, you killed it. So, stock up on that one. I ended up with yeah. Michael Thomas and Anthony Miller. Out okay, of so basically, you traded you traded McLaurin, Waller, uh, Debo Samuel, and a second. For Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, yeah. Which gives me CMC and Michael Thomas on the same team. It's a lot to give up in a 14-teamer, though. I, I, I like it okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, so... Uh, it's basically what, three firsts. My my team is pretty solid. I just ended up getting... Everyone got hurt at the end of last season. You just kind of stuck with it. I had Tyler Lockett and Adam Thielen as my top two receivers, and obviously they both got injured, so you just kind of SOL at that point in a 14-teamer. When both your top wide receivers get hurt, you're just kind of fucked. Yeah, yeah. You, there's no coming back from in a, in a deep league like that. If you lose a couple starters, you might as well just throw in the towel because not like you have the depth on your bench to overcome that. So, Larry, I think I'm in 22 leagues. Wow, nice. And that's all and, dynasty. Uh, just the only ones that are redraft are just um, the Scott Fishbowl and then uh, two eliminators. That's exciting. Now, how many of those leagues are Devi leagues? So there's, I have three traditional Devi leagues, and then I have two campus to Canton leagues, and then one that's just a crazy Devi league. That's that where we started with a hundred round draft of Holy Devi God. players. Holy fuck! It, it's also full IDP. Holy motherfucker! Full IDP. Yeah, really. Now, yeah. Do you like playing IDP? That's the first time I've ever done it. Oh God! Yeah, this is the first time I've ever done it. I doubt I ever do another one. Um, I just like the idea of this one because we started with a hundred round draft where we don't own any NFL players. How the fuck did that? How long did that last? It's still going. Jeez, <laughs> when did it start? Like 2018. Started in February. Right? Um, <laughs> we started month and a half ago, something like that. I can't really remember. And we're on round forty something. Now, what so, do you like? What do you like cruising cruising by the past grammar schools? You doing Google fucking maps and zooming in on like uh, yeah, so any any time I go to the ball field and uh, <laughs> there's just a kid playing outfield and his dad goes he's got a great arm like fuck it he's on hand. my team he's got good hands <laughs> I was like, it's it's odd when you ask for his name but I just put in this spreadsheet <laughs> that little kid I saw in left field in Marshall Minnesota hey like, man just wear dark sunglasses yeah, yeah. you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so like it's it's just a crazy league, and it's just with a bunch of good guys. And in in my thought, my thoughts, I'd rather be in a league with great guys that I don't a hundred percent love the scoring settings in, than be in a league where I love the scoring settings and just have shit people in the league. What's your favorite league? So like I I really like campus to Canton leagues. I think they're just really exciting. They're a lot more fun. Um, so that's just basically where you have two sides, where your college side is also scoring points and facing other college teams, and then they split the payout between the two leagues. So I think that's kind of fun. Um, but I think other than that, I, I like just a traditional, you know, super flex, two running back, two wide receiver, three flex, one super flex spots. Like, like 10 like how many starters. What's your dream? Like 10, 11 starters. Like, I like that. 12-team league is fine. I love, um, I love I love more starters the better. I love yeah. a, minimum eleven starters. Has to be super flex. Has to be tiny and premium. 
Don't even come at me with no tight end premium. I, I, you know, tight end premium. I could, I could take or leave. Uh, why um, don't it, you like the tight end premium? It, I'm fine with either. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't add enough doesn't for me. If, if I would rather, if the choices are between a tight end premium league or a Debbie league, I'm going to pick a Debbie league every time. Well, what about the Debbie plus tight end premium? Are you in any Scott Connor? I'm in a Scott Connor league that has a, it's like a fucking. I'm, I'm not in any leagues with Scott. Holy fuck. <sighs> okay. So speaking of college players, I, I wanted, I brought this up to Larry Rashad earlier. Bateman. Um, <laughs> okay. So speaking of college players that you may not love. Yeah. Because yeah. All right. So I, I was, I was on my run this evening and uh, was trying to think of something to ask that maybe you hadn't you? been asked. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I run for fun. He was it's very unrelatable. unrelatable. Yeah, it's uh, it's unrelatable for most people. Yeah. A couple suitcases. <laughs> he had a CD player. He had a VCR on his back. <laughs> Boombox on his shoulder. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's dude. funny when I take my daughter out to run. You guys are you guys are joking oh, about a boombox? Dude, you got the jogging stroller? Yeah, I got a jogging stroller, and okay, we throw man. on like I got a Bluetooth speaker that I put in the bottom of it so we got jams going down the road you know like she loves it yeah so we got um who's a player that you project to lose value um, but not based on his talent or anything but based on situation you know a situation change from last year to this year that uh will affect his value and maybe now that player is someone that you want to look to grab in the season or that might be a value in rookie drafts next year oh that i want to look to grab now um, Kylan Hill, or, really? No, I mean, what someone that you'll want to grab after that decline in value, like you know, come November, December, oh, or in the rookie draft. Year. So I, yeah. I was thinking the other way, like who's who has a change of scenery that like I want to buy now because I know that their value is going to be more expensive. Is how I took okay. it. I'm like Kylan okay, Hill well, definitely definitely fits that mark, right? Like sure. if you get Kylan Hill now and he's going to have 397 catches. You know, in the Mike Leach offense right. in Mississippi State, clearly he's going to stock up. Like we we yep. know that. Um, conversely, is like I actually think that Max Borgie is going to fall hard by losing uh, Leach. Yeah. So, so coach Coach Rolovic um, coming from Hawaii, he doesn't. Th- the offense doesn't throw to running backs very often. Um, so I think that's going to hurt Max Borgie a lot. Some other guys that that are going to go down. Um, How upset is Chuba, Chuba Hubbard that he didn't come out? Uh, I think he's got to be more upset. Well, all, I, yeah, I, meant, I meant Travis Etienne. I meant, I meant Travis Etienne. Both of them. I mean, they've got to be they're kicking themselves right now because they may not even have a season this year. Yeah, and, and I think. And, and, then, and they don't have a. a Thirty million dollar check sitting in, sitting in front of seventeen million dollar check. Yeah, I think Travis Etienne is clearly for me the one, the running back one right now, and I don't think it's necessarily close. He's going to be the top dog throughout this entire draft process. I got a great trade for you. Would you trade Chubba Hubbard and T Higgins? Yeah. Mm. Yes. Wow. Really? Yeah. So I think the biggest knock with Chuba Hubbard is his vision, which okay. is a little important. Um, so every t- every time um, he does like his own read that should be going, um, you know, to the B gap, it's almost always turns into like this lazy outside run because he just thinks that he's faster than faster oh. than the ends and the cornerback, which granted he is, but that's why pursuit angles matter. That's right? not going like, to fly in the NFL though. Right. And I think his his vision is scary. I think all of the top four running backs right now, right, between Etienne Hubbard, Najee Harris, and Journey Brown all have significant question marks that, that they kind of need to answer. Um, you know, Najee Harris and Etienne have less question marks because we just have enough tape on them that we kind of know what they are. And there's just not a huge uh, set of deficiencies in their game, but Etienne clearly has the highest ceiling out of these guys. Etienne, I agree with that. I like Etienne. A Etienne's lot, incredibly, and he's incredibly fast. He's basically has the speed of Chuba Hubbard with the contact balance, like almost like old school the bus, like old school Jerome Bettis. You know, you could like bump Jerome Bettis, and that's not going to even get close to bringing him down. Like Etienne just has a really low center of gravity. So when you bump him, he's not going to go down just off of like a little bump or poor arm tackle or something like that. Like that's not going to bring him down because he has that low center of gravity. Um, And I think there's a higher chance that that Chuba Hubbard actually loses stock than any of those other guys. Are you on the, on the tier of three wide receivers next year? 
Yes. Moore, Bateman, Chase. Those yep. three. And, mm-hmm. that, that's how I, I think that's kind of the consensus right now. When I was putting my question together in my head, the first name that popped in my head was Jamar Chase. Could he lose value immediately? What if he has a season like what Jefferson had? In 2018, 875, 900 yards, six touchdowns. You know, like people that watch college football or scouting know that his talent hasn't changed, but box score watchers will, will go, well, you know, he regressed because the whole offense regressed, but that's, you know, irrelevant for yeah, those I think, that just check the box score. I also just don't think that's that's going to happen. I think worst case scenario, Jamar Chase either gets injured or he only puts up like 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns. I don't anticipate a time where Jamar Chase is going to have under 1,000 yards. Who is the quarterback this year for them? Miles Brennan. Is he going to be able to step in and put up 3,500 yards? Yeah. It's, well, it's hard not to when you have a guy like Jamar Chase, who can also yeah. not only create for himself deep down the field, but he can also uh-huh. create for himself on underneath routes. No, so I'm Jamar, a huge, Jamar I'm Chase a huge Jamar has, Chase guy, but. yeah, so Jamar Chase is my wide receiver too. Like he, he's clearly a tier one guy. Like uh-huh. everyone loves Chase and I get it. Like he's got everything mm-hmm. that you could want. In a wide receiver. The Jets, the Jets will take one of those top guys next year to pair with Mims. Book it. 